It's a new year and CMO Combo is back with more in-depth conversations with leading marketers and everything CMOs need to know for success. This time we're joined by Amanda Malko, CMO of G2. We're diving into the importance of taking a customer first approach to growth and who better to talk about that than the CMO of the world's leading peer review service where the customer voice always comes first. Hi Amanda, welcome to CMO Combo. How are you doing today? Good. It's great to be here. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. This is the first CMO convo I'm recording of the year. I'm very excited for it as well because it's it's a conversation that I've wanted to have for a while, um, particularly with someone who is going to have loads of in-depth knowledge about this. Like who better to talk about customer and customer-like growth than the CMO of G2, which is probably the premier peer review uh, service on the on the web. I can't think of any other names that are bigger than G2. So it's, it's really, really exciting that you're here, Amanda. Um, and as I said, you're one of the most prominent companies that does this kind of thing. But for the people who don't know who G2 are, maybe you could introduce G2 and who you are as well and what your role is as a CMO there. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm the CMO of G2 and we're, uh, as you said, a software marketplace and review site. We have 60 million software buyers who come to G2 every year. Um, and they left over one and a half million reviews for software products across 2000 categories. So anyone in the world in a business profession is buying software. And so G2 is really the place where people can discover what their peers are using, review the software they're using, but also if you're evaluating software, find really trusted, authentic reviews and feedback and advice from peers on what you should be thinking about and, and software that you might be evaluating whether it's right for you. And, and that's so important these days when it comes to pretty much any kind of market, B2C, B2B, everything's based on sort of like peer recommendations now. It's one of the to- core tenements, whether it's just looking at like how many, fa- how many stars they have like ranked on like stuff like Trustpilot, whether it's stuff like reading in-depth case studies. But then how are we getting to this idea of customer-led growth as a way of pushing companies forward? Because that's what we're talking about today. Like what is customer-led growth? Because people might be familiar with stuff like product-led growth and stuff like that, but customer-led growth, I think it might be a new concept to a lot of our audience. I think so too. I mean, I I think it's probably one that we're all inherently familiar with. It's interesting because you talk about the prevalence of reviews and it's a great place to start and thinking about customer-led growth and B2C when we're, when we're consumers in our day-to-day lives, you know, I go on Amazon and I have a review strategy. I have a way of looking at things and deciding like, Hey, if I look at these reviews, does this feel like something I want to buy? And it's just sort of this inherent part of how we shop today. And it's not far-fetched to think that in our business lives, we're still the same people. We're going to be thinking about what are my peers saying and looking for that kind of um, trusted customer voice to make those decisions. And so when it comes to customer-led growth, I really look at customer-led growth as something that can apply to any business, whether it's B2B or B2C. And it really comes down to leading with the voice of your customer to shape everything from how you build your product to how you go to market. Um, And it means really starting from the perspective of your customer, not necessarily your own organizational perspective or the perspective of your product. And I think we all know to do that as marketers. I think putting that into practice and really enabling it across the entire organization is, is the more difficult challenge. And I, and I suppose there are lots of advantages of this approach as well. If you're, if you're thinking about customer first, then that's going to be sort of trickle down, surely. It's going to trickle down throughout the rest of the, the organization. So if the marketing department's thinking about customer first things, then that's going to apply to how the sales team operates, to how the product team operates, how your, how your customer success, of course, customer success, they're going to be thinking about the voice of the customer. Are there any other big advantages to this kind of approach um, that 
apply to different types of organizations? Yeah, I mean, I think that you hit the nail on the head with sort of if you can if you can help everybody understand the voice of the customer and really define what customer-led growth means across your organization, it's going to result in better products, better marketing experiences, better sales experiences, and hopefully that means you're able to capture um, more revenue, more interest from your customers, and they're going to and you're going to meet their needs over the long term. So I think the other benefit is that if you continue to do this, not only will you see more success in growing your revenue, but hopefully you've got customers who are going to stay with you longer because you're continuing to meet their needs and listen to what they want, even as the market and your product evolves. Um, and so I think that that's, that's the other advantage is not just that sort of upper funnel, um, you know, everybody's, everybody's seeing growth up into the right, but that ability to really retain the revenue over time. Definitely. I imagine in terms of increasing customer retention, that's going to be one of the key goals of customer-led growth it's not just about demand gen it's not just about generating leads it's about ensuring that you're building this sort of lifetime connection with customers over a long period of time so are there certain processes you can take to sort of engender those kind of results to get those kinds of customer-led long-term results that people can put into practice yeah i i absolutely think there are i mean i think the first one starts with how are really defining a way that you as an organization tap into the voice of your customer so i would say g2 if you're in b2b software is a no-brainer right because i talk to ceos at very very large uh, enterprise software companies that regularly i'm saying on a weekly basis are looking at the reviews you can set up a slack channel and every time you get a review on g2 you can take a time every week and just review what people are saying about your product. If you're in product, that is a gold mine of real-time feedback. You can also aggregate it over time, learn what people are saying about your brand. So at the very least, it's defining processes that help you understand your customer on a more regular basis, not the once a year like focus group or once every two or three year focus groups. But how do you really tap into that and then share out those insights in a way that's scalable and helpful for every part of the organization. Um, and so easier said than done. I think starting with reviews, it's just, it is a real-time feedback loop. There are certainly many other ways, you know, people use things like Pendo and Medallia to do real-time EMPS. Um, Qualtrics is a great example of a company that sort of leaned into that. And I know I always love doing my Qualtrics surveys to get feedback on things. And so I think it's the first is really defining what do we need to understand how are we going to do that? And then what's the plan to make sure that's shared in a way that's actionable for every part of the organization? And that'll look different from the CEO to product to sales. Definitely, definitely. It's, it's interesting you talk about the, the voice of the customer as well, um, particularly since I know a lot of organizations, as you say, they, they'll do customer feedback like maybe once a quarter, once every half a year. Bringing that voice of the customer into sort of like the, the, the live, the real time, that's going to be also challenging surely like it, it's going to challenge a lot of your preconceptions about what you think about your business about your product like in order to in order to really understand who you are you have to think about what other people think about you and having that customer voice and those challenge preconceptions it's going to be worrying at first I imagine like it's going to ruin a lot of people's preconceptions about what they're about what their business is about like how do you think CMOs can respond to that if they if they've got certain ideas in their head about how to wow. how to market and then suddenly oh no the customers yeah. have changed completely how we approach it this is such a 
great question. And it's so true. And I've seen that sort of look of fear. Um, in a former life, I did a lot of consulting and I would uh, often start with, okay, how much do we know about our customers? Do we know enough to make these decisions and make them well? And you see that moment of fear of like, oh, we had it wrong. It's usually it quickly followed by delight because once you can find what they want or where there's friction in the product or friction in the go-to-market motion, um, the CMO of Sixth Sense, I, I love this. She has a phrase that says she's finding the red. And so when you can find the red, if you can celebrate that and say, okay, we had it wrong, but now we're listening and we can get it right. I think it's such a great opportunity. So I think it's really flipping it from, you know, something that could be scary to what's the opportunity here. I also think if you do it regularly, you're never going to be surprised because your customer doesn't change with the exception of maybe like COVID obviously changed things for everybody and across the board and overnight. I can't think of another time when things change radically overnight. So if you're always listening, you're never surprised, which is the delightful thing about finding ways to more regularly tap into what's happening with your customers. So you can iterate with them over time and not find yourself in that oh no moment. <laughs> and, and even when you're not getting oh no moments, even when it looks like everything's going great, it's not a time to sit on your laurels, is it? Like you're not allowed, but you're getting all these five-star reviews through, you're getting all through the, all this great feedback through. You need to capitalize on that. You can't just say, oh, this is great. How can you capitalize on that effectively? Like what are the best ways to utilize good reviews and good customer feedback? Yeah, that's a great, <clears throat> a great question. So oftentimes we think about the, I'll start by just saying, oftentimes we think about the funnel as like a thing that starts with awareness. You're moving them down, you convert them. Maybe you think about upsell as part of your funnel, but really advocacy to drive word of mouth that's actually going to hopefully your customers become one of your best marketing channels and they're referring new customers or they're part of your marketing in a way that actually brings more people to the top of your funnel. And one of the best ways to use reviews is to actually use reviews in your marketing. So you could do that by actually using, I've seen people use the actual review. Say you're, you're trying to, one of your advantages is maybe your implementation time is half of any other software company. So you can realize time to value faster than anybody else. Great. You probably have some great feedback on G2 about that. How do you actually use that when you're going out to your customers, whether it's in sales or marketing and say, don't take it from me. Like here's some actual feedback from our customers. Um, another way is to actually take insights from reviews and think about how can we actually use that to inform our overall messaging. We think we know why we're great, but let's tap into our customers and see why we're great. Um, and then also, if you're on review sites, not only are you getting reviews, you're getting feedback and ratings on how certain features and attributes of your product stack up against those of your competitors. So you're probably doing competitive landing pages. Why not bring in, again, the sort of trusted, um, verified feedback from G2 to create some of those competitive landers um, one sheet sales decks that help people understand, okay, you're looking at these two um, companies. How do you actually compare? That's something we do, I think, inherently, like Amazon does that really well, just with on, the, on their site. The same is true in B2B. Help your customer do that comparison shopping by leveraging the insights and feedback that you can get on G2. Definitely, definitely. And and you, you mentioned utilizing some reviews, some of the feedback. One of the, one of the big things I think is going to be helpful for B2B uh, organizations is case studies. Case studies are always going to be hugely important. I read a stat that they're the, the most valuable piece of content to be to be buyers. So 
having that continuous feedback loop gives you it gives you options about who to approach about case studies. If you're getting great feedback from a particular customer, you can capitalize on them. Is there more that we can do than just case studies with this kind of customer-led growth? Like case studies, they can be great, they can be jazzy. There's only so much you can do with them at the end of the day. Like, is there, is there more that you can do to sort of build on those sort of customer stories, storytelling in that respect? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things you can do is really elevate your customer's voice and make them like co-marketing partners or thought leaders with you. So, you know, one of the stats that came out of a recent research study that we did at G2 is that 67% of B2B buyers do their own homework and make a decision in their mind, they made a decision before they ever talk to sales. And so how are you going to get in front of them and really educate them about your offering because they're probably going to be making a decision before they actually raise their hand and say they're ready to talk to you, do a demo request. And so beyond just doing case studies, how do you actually lean into your customer and have them put them on stages? You know, how do you co-market with them, do thought leadership, invite them to do um, content for your, if you have a blog or a publication, this is great for B2C as well. It's really leaning in and not thinking of your customers as I need this polished packaged case study but also saying, how can I actually get them to share their story, both about their business and hopefully about what we've done together in a way that feels authentic and maybe even isn't a channel we own? How can I just elevate them in channels where I know my customer is spending their time? That can be a great way um, to go beyond just the case study to help kind of share the success in a way that's not just, as you said, it's sort of the standard. You all know it has a templatized yeah. format yeah. and we've written it. Um, sometimes it's just great to hear from the customer directly. Definitely, definitely. And I, I imagine as well, elevating certain customers would almost add a sort of like sense of competition between customers. Like, oh, you're elevating these guys have been really successful. We want to boast about our success as well. And we want to stick with you as well because you're elevating us. Like it's a way, it's a way of retaining customers is elevating them, I imagine. I, I absolutely think it is. So if you do it really well, not only are you picking the customer who loves you, who's had great success, but they're also one that you think has real growth potential. And so you're like, let's lean into that, right? And so you can do that to serve multiple objectives. I think the other thing is for certain businesses, they have a real opportunity to build um, customer communities. And so I think of companies like Airtable is a great example. Um, I think Miro's done some things in this regard where they're actually creating platforms where customers can share use cases and learn from each other. Airtable has Airtable Universe. Customers actually put their Airtable projects up on Airtable Universe. And so what I love about that is, you know, it's sort of an atypical case study, if you will. Um, they just put it up there and said, I think you're going to love sharing projects with each other. And guess what? They did. And so Airtable doesn't have to go around and say, tell me what you did. Tell me what you did. Let me see your project. They're just creating a forum for people to do that who inherently want to come together and share. Not every project or product can lend itself to that, but many can. Um, and so sometimes just kind of leaning in and creating a space for people to share um, and getting out of the way. We don't always have to be the company that's sort of going around and formalizing everything. Sometimes it's more about elevating the customer in a way that just gives them a platform to share. And, and those kinds of communities, again, they can be incredibly powerful because once you're in a community and you like being in that community, it, it's going to take a lot to get you out of it. And you're going to not, you're going to avoid 
not like stopping being a customer. You want to stay a customer of that organization. If it allows you access to that community, it's going to be really powerful, but very yes. difficult to build at the same time. It's not something It is the ultimate competitive mode. If you do it well, it is the ultimate competitive mode for exactly that reason. Um, yeah, you can't you can't squeeze blood from a stone though when it comes to it. Yeah. There's, there's nothing worse than someone trying to force community and trying to force these connections. You've got to you've got to be subtle about it. I imagine you've got to kind of move people in the right direction without saying, "Oh, you guys need to start talking to each other," kind of thing. Yeah, and a Slack channel is not a community. It can be part of your community strategy, but I see a lot of people who are like, "But I have a Slack channel." Um, not, not quite like it's part of it, but I think it's, it's not, that doesn't necessarily come inherently with the stickiness that you're looking for in a community. It's really about what's the value exchange for everybody, um, and nailing that before you kind of figure out your tactics and, and how you bring people together. Definitely. Definitely. So this is all kind of like the, the, the big picture ideas. Let's, let's get into some of like the nuts and bolts of, of customer like growth and mainly how do you measure the success of customer-led growth? Is it just getting good feedback or is there, or there are more like specific KPIs that we can use to, to measure the success of, of your customer-led approaches? I love this question. I think there's sort of a two-part answer to this. Mm -hmm. the, the first one is, I, I, and there's been research on this by many of the big consulting companies and kind of uh, user experience agencies, but, in general, if you lean into this, you should see the metrics that you use for your regular business, whether it's revenue or product adoption, um, grow as a result. So there's sort of that inherent benefit. Like if you do lean from the voice of your customer, um, kind of think about how you're actually going to um, take the time to orient around customer feedback, you're going to see, I believe, results, better results across all areas of your business. But I would say that one of the top metrics um, would be EMPS. Like you're gonna see that as a great um, kind of feedback loop uh, to do EMPS and over time see that hopefully improve. Would I recommend working in this company? Um, that's something that you can continue to measure to get a quick pulse on how is it going? Um, are our results really resonating with customers? or our work really resonating with customers. And then I would say, you know, reviews is another great way. Like we actually do um, ask for ENPS as part of um, G2's review process, but also just that overall rating and satisfaction. Um, and, and the benefit of that is you're also seeing it across different areas of um, the experience, whether it's the customer service experience, the implementation experience. And so um, oftentimes really drilling into where you're doing well and not well in those attributes can help you understand where you may have nailed it and where maybe more work is required. Um, and I think the customer service experience is one that's often, um, unfortunately, overlooked um, when we think about being customer-led. And it's ironic because as a customer, that's one of the most um, pivotal outlets you have to really successfully using and adopting a product. Definitely, definitely. Um, I, again, read a stat recently. Um, apparently, most B2B organizations, they'll go to someone else if they get one case, just one case of poor customer service. So having a really, really like absolutely top-notch customer service team has got to be essential for a B2B organization, whether they're going customer-led growth or not. Yes. And making that experience delightful, you know, and how do you, um, how do you make sure that you're measuring that and, and seeing like customer satisfaction scores out of that experience? 
um, and not make it something that's sort of a cost center that you're just like, let's get them through as quickly as possible. It's really more about how do you surprise and delight and satisfy what they're looking for um, when they reach out. And, and speaking of like the different parts of business, we did touch on this earlier, but let's get into a bit more detail about that. Like, because customer-led approach, it's not just going to apply to the marketing department in a company. It's going to apply to all the, all the companies, all the departments that have any kind of touch point with a customer. How do CMOs go about driving that initiative? Like, who do they need to get on board? Who do they need to speak to? Who, what initiatives do they need to do to, to build the connection between different departments to really drive customer-led growth? Well, I would say, you know, it should be every... Do you want to ask your question again? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, um, sorry, my computer actually said that it was running updates. So I just wanted to make sure we didn't get cut off. Okay. It's doing that thing. We're fine. I just yeah. turned it. Sorry. No problem. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. So three, two, one. So we did touch on, on this earlier, talking about like the different experience in the different parts of the business because customer-led growth isn't just about the marketing department. It's about every single part of the business that has any kind of touch point with a customer. How can CMOs go about getting all these different departments on board? Who do they need to speak to? Who do they need to align with? What kind of initiatives can they put in place to build those kinds of interactions that are needed to really implement customer-led growth in an effective way? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, ideally you align with every functional stakeholder um, across the business. So everybody from your customer success uh, team, if you have a support team, product design, if there's a design team, marketing, you really want it to be super cross-functional, but you don't have to do it all at once. And so I think it really comes down to what are you trying to achieve? Are there particular areas of the business where you feel like there's the most opportunity? And if so, really, you could start and, and lead there. One of the things that I did when I was at MailChimp is we MailChimp has experience principles that are um, created from insights from the customer about what they value um, in their product experiences and particularly in the space that MailChimp plays in. And those experience principles, we created one for, um, for a particular uh, persona that, that had different needs. And we actually did uh, workshops with every functional leader to help them understand these experience principles and translate them for their work. So, um, you know, if one of our experiences, our principles was delight, how do we make sure that we bring that into, um, into the customer service experience? And so we actually created action items of, for each team from customer success to support to marketing, how are we going to bring these principles to life? Um, and they came out of research and insights about what our customers really needed. And we're distilled down to a very simple five, principle framework that everybody could kind of understand and hopefully, you know, in this case, rally behind um, so that whether you were contacting support, seeing our advertising, going to the marketing site or within the product, it felt consistent, not just in the way it looks, but in the way that you experience it as a human. And that, and that consistency is absolutely essential. Like you want a consistent experience all the way through the funnel and beyond. Like you don't want anyone thinking, oh, there was such great marketing, but then they've let us down on the sales side, they've let us down on the product support side. You need that consistency all the way through. It's gotta be 
yeah, it's got to be an absolutely essential thing that CMOs have got to drive for is that we've got to be consistent across the board. Well, yeah, and there's nothing worse. And, and it's, it's, it hurts building trust in a relationship when you have this delightful sales experience and, you know, it's, everything's going to be great. And then I'm going to hand you off to the person who's going to onboard you and your onboarding is a train wreck, right? And, <laughs> and it's a totally different tone and, um, you know, it's not button, you know, that's not a great experience for anybody, but certainly as a, cus- a new customer coming in, it can, if you're, if you're not having that consistency of um, certainly a bar for good experience, but also if the tone tenor approach, what your expectations are, feel very different. Um, it's not a great way to build a, a good relationship over time. That's true in our personal lives too. If I'm one way to you now, and then we go out for a beer and we're, I'm, I'm a totally different person, that, that's not delightful, whether it's a, a, a good experience or not, you want that consistency. Yeah, because you don't know what, what's going to be from day to day, let alone- Exactly, what can I expect? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So when is the right time to take a customer-led approach when it comes to a business in terms of like, different stages of business growth like can you do it from day one from like a very very start the start obviously yes. you, need, you need customers obviously but like can a very very tiny startup take a customer-led growth approach oh i think it's critical so if you're a tiny startup your speed is everything if you can get speed with effectiveness of decision making and product you're off to the races. The companies that I see do really, really well at early stage obsess over customer feedback because they don't want to waste time. I don't want to build something that then I find out and I don't have six months to wait and find out it's not the right thing. So they're constantly iterating and getting feedback from customers to make sure that they're solving real needs. It might look, you're really at the basics when you're starting out, obviously, at that'll evolve over time and your iterations will become more refined but anybody can use customer-led growth. It's taking the time and appreciating the need to take a step back and say, are we making decisions from a place of real customer insight or not? And if we're not, are we willing to take the time to go listen and do some homework and then make a decision about how we're gonna move forward? Um, And usually I think people wonder if it's too slow to do it. And, and my advice would be, imagine if you don't and you waste six months when you could have just asked them. <laughs> yeah, when you, could have, when you could have just taken action straight away, you've got, the, you've got the knowledge at your fingertips when you have that, as you said, that real-time feedback loop, like you're able to yes. have, it's, it's almost like the ultimate resource for anyone who's taking any kind of agile approach is having this yes. continuous feedback loop. Um, so since it's the start of the, of the year, this is the first CMO combo recording, Let's talk about like, what is customer-led growth going to look like in 2022? What are the expectations? What are the things that people should be focusing on to really build this kind of functionality into their, into their organizations? Well, I think, you know, having some sort of real-time feedback loop is going to be table stakes. I think, I hope that's true for, for most organizations today. I think in terms of customer-led growth, we are just in B2B in particular, seeing a lot more enthusiasm and interest in really leaning into software marketplaces and review sites, both as a vehicle to get that feedback and and champion customer voice, um, but also as a way of really um, 
trying to understand who the right customer is for you. You know, one of the things that I'm excited about is as we kind of look towards a potentially cookie-less future, um, this ability to actually lean into the voice of your customer, even in something like actual signals about what am I interested in buying through things like intent data is such a huge opportunity for marketers because to me, it's a much more qualified signal than what you think because I'm a certain demographic title I'm interested in. If I raise my hand and you see that I have intent for a product, um, that is one of the best ways to actually get in front of me with valuable information because I've already said, I've raised my hand and said, I'm interested. So I think of customer voice, not just as that customer is directly giving you that real-time feedback, but what are those other inherent signals? And so I think thinking about customer-led growth is also going to be um, important as we think about how do we target our customers in a, in a increasingly cookie-less cookie-less and privacy first world. <laughs> and that, that is definitely a subject that is going to be on the minds of many CMOs um, as, the, as 2022 rolls around. And it's a conversation that I, I look forward to having at some point on CMO Combo. I, I don't know if you'd want to join me for that, Amanda, because it's definitely going to be a big subject for a lot of CMOs in the future. Yeah, happy to. I mean, I think you know things like building your own audiences and community, really getting a strategy for how you're using intent data, um, we see about half of our customers using intent data in some way and the other half not. I think that the other half is, we're gonna see a lot of them catch up this year um, <laughs> because we all have to, right? We all are, we're all gonna have to figure out new ways of reaching our audiences, definitely. which I think is exciting. It is exciting, it is exciting. It's definitely exciting. And it's gonna be a very exciting conversation to have on this podcast at some point in the, in the near future. Um, but I think we've covered some great stuff to do with customer-led growth today. Um, we'll explore those other stuff uh, another time, Amanda. Um, thank you very much for joining us today. I'm sure our audience has been absolutely thrilled to hear from who else to be an expert in customer-led growth than G2 and the CMO of G2. So thank you very much, Amanda. Thanks and, for having me. And um, thank you to our audience for listening. And we'll be back soon with some more CMO combos.